Welcome to this episode of Profess Hers, a podcast about movies, music, history, pop culture, current events, and literature, all discussed through the perspective of women's issues and feminism. I'm Allegra, and this weekend I have unfortunately no plans except to dog sit for my sister-in-law who has exciting plans to go to Florida. That's a great Memorial Day then. I get for her, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> for us, not so much. We will just have the three dogs. So I'm Misty, and my plans are basically just to sit around a pool and not do a whole lot. That's a good plan. Maybe I should do that. Yeah, it's a good plan. I yeah. support that wholeheartedly. I think I'll do that. Whenever possible. I think I'll go to my sister-in-law's house and use her pool. She'll be gone. Teach she- the dogs to swim. <laughs> She'd be so <laughs> mad if I put the dogs in that pool. Oh, my God. I'm going to do it. It's going to be great. So what are we talking about today? I don't know. Just, I've always wanted to say it, and I've never done it. Uh, We're talking about warrior women, female knights, and female warriors. Specifically from Game of Thrones. I should play the music here. No. So yeah, we are going to have a funeral for Game of Thrones. It's over. It's never coming back. It's all gone. You know, you say that, but everything comes back. (laughs) Everything gets rebooted when it shouldn't. Well, there's a spinoff. No! (laughs) But the spinoff, I told you last week, the spinoff is being run by a female writer That's right. Producer, you did tell me that. And it's going to take place, I think, hundreds of years in the past. So it's not going to be- It's a prequel. Prequel. Yeah. yeah. So we are still not going to have season eight spoilers. So I, since last episode, have started watching Game of Thrones. She's so confused, guys. Like, <laughs> I've called Allegra at least y'all. like- 300 times going now who is this who guy is this? and i'm like i don't know what you're looking at and then she describes them and i'm like that could be one of eight people because they're all white guys with beards and it's like yeah and it's dark and i can't see who it is yeah and then she's like well who's just who's good and i'm like well part of the show is that nobody is all good or all bad i mean that's the whole thing right but generally speaking the starks are good so i have made it to season two yes and so I've only Have got, you figured out the sigils, the animals, the wolf? I mean, the, I can't tell you. I can lion. tell you the wolf and the lion. Okay. The fish? No. The bear? No. These are all important animals. Well, I'll get there. Okay. Who's uh, the wolf? The Starks. The because li- they have wolves. The lion? The Lannisters. Good job. The dragon? Oh, uh, the blonde lady. I can't say her name. Targaryen. That's her last name. Okay. See, this was confusing to me too. Okay. Because I thought her name was Khaleesi. No, that means queen. Yeah. I figured that out at like episode six. (laughs) You know what's funny is my cousin watches a show with a friend of hers and she doesn't really care about it. She just watches it. One of the rules for her watching the show is Khaleesi is not the name of a dragon. (laughs) Because that's how closely she's following. And I guess she's made that mistake a number of times. Khaleesi is Dothraki for queen. So, okay, that's helpful. But the Daenerys does have many, 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 many names. They and, all do. And the longer, but hers most comically, actually. There, there are memes about it. And the longer the show goes on, the longer her name Oh, becomes. we're just going to keep adding to it? She does become a lot of things. I'm not going to tell you because you're in season two, but as most people, well, you know, she's mother. She becomes Daenerys, Targaryen. They add mother of dragons. I mean, you haven't gotten to the dragons yet, but you know the dragons are coming. Yeah, they've been carrying around they those eggs for a while. mother of dragons, and then they add other accomplishments to her name, and then they say first of her name. So yeah, her name gets longer and longer and longer. 
So I have, having watched my little bit of this that I have watched. Your two seasons? Pretty good. Well, season and a half. I'm not done with season two yet. Okay. I have several questions for you. Okay. This is pretty good for you. This is good for me. We're proud. I'm invested. I should watch, I don't know, a documentary or something. You could read a nonfiction book. No, that's not happening. (laughs) And we drew the line. (laughs) All right. So one of the questions I have, it seems like a lot of the sexuality so far in this show is fairly violent. So, uh, yeah. Although I will say the first few seasons, or maybe the first two seasons, they definitely suffer from like HBO syndrome. So because HBO can be just as sensational as they can, they're not bound by the same rules. They tend to over that. Okay, yeah, I'm, I'm definitely it. feeling that watching this. And I think that the writers get better reigns. Okay, in the third season, so it doesn't ever stop having sexual scenes. But I think it stops being like for no reason. Boobs galore. Yeah, because I feel like there's one part where they're like talking about finances, but everyone's naked, and I'm like, did we need to be naked <laughs> to do this? Yeah, I yeah, mean, if I it mean, services the story, I'm fine. Yeah. But this just seems like gratuitous. Yes. So, thank yeah, you. Yeah. That's right. a that's a HBO syndrome. Okay. So that'll get better. Yes. But that doesn't answer the violence part of it. What do you mean? I just feel like there's either a lot of threats of rape. There's a lot of angry sex. Yeah. Yeah. That's uh most people's biggest complaint. Okay. And I've never read the books, so I can't tell you how it compares. If that's source material Those or not. books are just they're too long even for me, and I'm, uh, you know, I teach English, but I have no defense okay. of that portrayal. I know that they want to, that they're using sex as a way to develop characters and to say, you're talking about Cersei and Jamie, right? Well, like angry, yeah, that's sexual one encounters. Of them. But I also feel like there's this like implied threat of rape to every woman in the whole show. Yes. Yes. Maybe with the exception of Arya, because she's fairly young at this point. Yeah. Maybe with the exception of her, like I, I mean, every I woman. Think it's, I think it's powerful that the show is able to sh- kind of give you this sense that all of these women are constantly living under the threat of sexual assault. And that one of the ways that men maintain the patriarchy in this particular society is they have the, the physical strength to overcome the women at any turn. I think... As the seasons go on, you're going to see that be used to make a good statement, a statement that you would agree with about sex and power and patriarchy. But I think there are some scenes that are hotly contested as being over the line. Okay. And then the other thing... And I'm not here to defend those particular scenes. So then the other thing that I was noticing as I'm watching this is that... There seems to be a high value placed on loyalty within a marriage. Yeah. But only to certain characters. <laughs> what do you mean? So. It's going to be funny because you don't know anybody's name. This is going to be great. <laughs> I can't wait. <laughs> the lady with the thing. Okay. So this one I got because I said it about 8,000 times. Uh-huh. John. John Snow. John Snow. Yeah. Is a bastard. Okay. But he is being raised by his father. Okay. And it's constantly brought up like over and over and over and over again. Yeah. And then like the loyalty of his father and mother to each other is brought up over and over and over and over again. Like they have the kind of the model marriage, right? The Starks. The Starks. Yes. They have this like model marriage, right? Yeah. They like love and respect each other. Yeah. And that is 
kind of, I think, supposed to be set up as the ideal, right? Uh, I mean, the show definitely wants you to see House Stark as a model. The show definitely wants you to see Ned as the moral hero. I don't know that we're supposed to see their... Well, I guess we are supposed to see their marriage as a model relationship, yes. Okay, but then on the other hand, in contrast to their marriage, you have the first king, King Robert. Yeah, Robert Baratheon. Uh huh. And I think his marriage is supposed to be the exact opposite. There is no love and respect in that marriage. Right, there is none. Is that supposed to be seen as a moral failing on his part? Or are we supposed to take away from that that because they have this arrangement made that it's different from... I've always gotten the impression that we were supposed to see Robert as having a good heart, but giving in to many vices. He fought a war against the Mad King. Right. And the Mad King was terrorizing people. So he took over as a way of trying to help people, right? And so I don't think we're supposed to see him as bad. But he obviously, we can't revere someone who is very obviously having sex with lots of sex workers, who is constantly drunk, who seems to show little interest in his actual children. Like he doesn't seem to guide and care much for his children. Right. So I think, what, I mean, I get the impression that he is a as a public figure. So on the surface, he's a leader, but in reality, his life is a mess. I don't think we're supposed to condemn or hate him, but he okay. definitely is a foil for Ned, who is both a good leader and a good person. A good person. And, you know, he who teaches his children moral lessons, who is honorable in his marriage and in all of these other ways. And who even though he doesn't really want to go to King's Landing, he does it because it's service to his... To his He's like morally social, obligated. You know, I don't know of country. Yeah. I have one more. I guess this one is a criticism too. So you have no actual questions. <laughs> They're all just criticisms. You just have criticisms. This one just is annoying to me. So like there's a Sansa, right? And there's... Sansa, yes. And there's a Arya. Yes. And Cersei. Yes. But then there's Robert running around and Jamie and I think of Brian at one point. Why do all the women have these very exotic, strange names and all the men are running around just being like, you know, I never thought about that. Some of the men have strange names. Like there's a guy named Jorah. Okay. And Daenerys's brother has a strange, all the Targaryens have bizarre names. But yeah, I think there is a pattern that you're, that you've picked up on. Yeah. Jamie, Robert, Ed. Bran, which is short for Brandon, Robert, Rob, there's a lot of Johns. So yeah, I think aside from the Targaryens, men have very traditional, Yeah, what, I mean, <laughs> biblical sounding names. Yeah, it just it, and Jamie sounds very modern to my ear. Yeah. And then Sansa. Arya, Sansa, Catelyn, Cersei. Yeah. Yeah. It just felt very... I don't know how far you've gotten, so I don't even know if you know Yora, Brienne. I don't know that name yet. No. Okay. It, like I said, it's just it's very jarring when you're in this like fantasy medieval world and like oh there's Brandon. <laughs> <laughs> Brandon. 
Bran. His name is Bran. Well, whatever. <laughs> Jamie's walking around. Yeah, I mean, I don't I don't think that's a hard and fast rule, but I do think there's a pattern there. Um, I, there's probably a lot of characters you don't know yet, but of the principal characters, yeah, that's true. The men all have names we would recognize. So tell me about the, the women who are warriors in this. Okay, so... Because I'm not sure I've gotten to one yet. You maybe haven't. And I will tell you, so you know Arya. Yes. You know Arya as a child. Yes. But you already have detected in Arya that she's different than her sister. Yes. And she's taking sword fighting lessons. She's finished her sword fighting lessons, I guess, at this point. Because we've killed her father. Does a person ever really finish well, I sword mean, fighting lessons? Well, I think sword fighting teacher died. <laughs> so I'm going to say those lessons are done. So, yeah. You can tell that Arya is a different... Is, is taking a different path. Yes. And that she is... Well, she says at one point, I think girls are idiots or something yeah. like that. She definitely has uh, a more, has a stronger interest in fighting, in weapons, in strategy. She does not have an interest in dresses, in marrying kings, in being royalty, in being a lady of any kind. She does want to learn how to sword fight. You will marry a high lord and rule this castle. And your sons shall be knights and princes and lords. Mm-hmm. No. That's not me. So the best thing about Arya is that she ends up a fierce fighter who has like the mental acuity for the strategy, but also all of the physicality. She can do the sword fighting. She can get, I mean, she wins lots of fights. The thing is, we don't meet her that way. She's a child when we right. meet her and we see her grow. We see her grow into the person um, who she becomes. And so we get to watch her train. We get to watch her work really, really hard. We get to see her encounter and overcome a great number of obstacles. We see a lot of setbacks. We see a lot of failures uh, and we get to relate to her as she goes through this process. So even though I'm watching it and I'm never a person who wants to be a fighter, I'm never a person who wants to be a warrior, but I'm a person who loves my family. I'm a person who has felt like I wanted things that were outside of the expectations for me. And so that's why I think it's interesting that Arya's, the actress who plays Arya, didn't know that we would all be able to relate to her so easily from right. the very beginning. And I mean, boys can relate to her because they also are subject to all of these very fierce gender role expectations that they may or may not want to fulfill. And we see her in contrast to her sister Sansa, who 100% wants to follow the path of femininity. She right. wants the dresses. She wants the title. She wants the husband. She wants the romance. Um, and Arya doesn't care about any of that. And Arya has more in common with her brothers. And I think that scene in the very first episode where she picks up the bow and arrow Right, that when scene? her brothers are practicing. Right, and she picks it up and she shoots arrows and her dad applauds. And I think he is, as a part of this patriarchal society, he is torn between wanting to support her. He sees that she works hard. She He sees that she cares a lot about it, that she's good at it, that, that she's interested in it. But that's not a role for a girl. Right, and so he doesn't want to knock it out of her hands. But at the same time, he doesn't necessarily want to push her in that direction either. So I think it's interesting that they hint at that kind of subtly. Right. That 
even Ned, honorable Ned Stark, is torn in this kind of gender role expectation for his own daughter. And of course, when he dies, his sons assume, or his son assumes the role of being the head of Winterfell, right? Rob becomes the Lord of Winterfell. Right. And at that point, you know, the minute Arya sees her dad die, she knows that she's on her own. She she sees Sansa with the Lannisters. She perceives that to be... That she's untrustworthy. That she can't trust her sister and that she's on her own. And later in the show, you know, Starks and they go on their own directions and paths and then they have other reunions. But the relationship between Arya and Jon, we always see as being very strong because they're both kind of outcasts in their family in a different way. And they both have shared interests. And he is able to encourage her in ways that her other siblings don't. Okay. I think he's the one who gives her the sword. The sword. And tells her to put the pointy in. Yeah. Stick him with, the, yes. with the pointy end. I was going to say, yeah. put the pointy end into people. But that's and not so, what he says. <laughs> and so there's a lot of payoffs for Arya. She becomes a very fierce warrior. And we get to see her do some very cool stuff. But it's after watching her work really, really hard. And I think that that is what sets her apart from the other two warrior women we're going to talk about. Because... Because we meet them as adults. They're adults. They're already trained. They're already who they are. And we don't have to watch them navigate and make those decisions and do undo all of that problem solving. We get to watch her do that. And so we can relate to her a little bit more. When we meet Yara and Brienne, it's kind of baked in. That's who they are. You don't know who Yara or Brian. I don't know who either one of these people are yet. So you're just going to have to believe everything I tell you about them. I know you really like it when that has to happen. I do. I don't want to give away. I mean, I know a lot of people are going to be listening to this after having concluded the whole show. And I know other people haven't watched season eight yet because not everybody has instant access. Like me. So that's why we're not necessarily doing season eight spoilers here. But there is a lot of payoff for all three of these women. And... I think the show is sending us a message with that. So you want to talk about Yara? Sure. Sounds great. Who is she? So you know who Theon is. I do. Okay. So Theon is a ward of the Starks. His father. I was a little confused by this at first. You thought he was like Like a a cousin, like like the Brady Bunch had a random cousin that showed up or something. Yeah. So he's the other. Because they call him a ward a couple times, which to me thought like, oh, he's an orphan and they're like raising him. But then I found out later that's not the case. So, yeah. So his dad tried to stage a rebellion against Robert Baratheon. Who's his dad? Balin Greyjoy. Okay. King of the Iron Islands or Lord of the Iron Iron Islands. How could I forget? He, He tries to stage a rebellion and as a result his son is taken as a kind of hostage by the Starks and because Ned is loyal to Robert Baratheon he keeps Theon he doesn't give him back but because Ned is also not a total jerk he doesn't raise Theon as he doesn't put him in chains a a hostage or a prisoner he's not necessarily treated on equal footing with the Stark children or even with Jon Snow, but he's still fed and clothed and trained and schooled and given things to do and spoken to. And so... Well, it looks like he has at least a little bit of military-ish training. He has... Yeah, he exists in a kind of gray area. And that has some psychological effects on Theon. So he has like conflicting loyalties. He is just a very weak-minded person, I think. And... 
I think not a very nice thing to say. Well, he's oh, okay. Maybe this is better. He's easy to manipulate. Okay, he's rejected by his father. I mean, even when he goes home to the Iron Islands, he is treated. I mean, I guess similar to the way a bastard would be. And he, his only real family is his sister Yara, and it's he, just kind of a devastating emotional impact. It is, and he is because this society favors strong sons and he is taken from his father and because there's such an emphasis on family and family lineage he just he doesn't have any of that he has no social power he has no social capital and so he's easy to manipulate because he's always in need of someone to latch onto to give him the kind of power that he doesn't otherwise have. He doesn't have a a family that he can overtake, you know, that he's the heir to. Right. And he doesn't have any kind of support system, I guess. So I'm not defending or I'm not on either side of this. I don't have very strong feelings about Theon. And so the show definitely wants us to feel some soft, kind feelings toward Theon. That's clear. Whether you do or don't is your choice, but the show does want you to feel that way. So Yara is Theon's older sister, and Yara is cool because she is just as strong and tough of a fighter as Arya or anybody else, but she's also... And she's his older sister. Yes. Okay. And she's also kind of the queen or the lady of the Iron Islands. When their father dies, Because there's she, no male heirs. She assumes that throne and that responsibility. In his name, we gather today to choose a new king as our leader. Who makes a claim? I am Yara Greyjoy, daughter of Balon Greyjoy, king of the Iron Islands. I claim the salt throne. We've never had a queen. Not once. There are many things we've never done. And Theon supports her in doing that. He doesn't contest that he thinks it should be me. Their uncle, Euron, though, says it should be me, actually, not you. Because he's male. He's a jerk. (laughs) Okay. He looks like he is in the band Creed, if you ever... Well, that is a... He just looks 90s like, reference right there. That's just the vibe he gives me, like Axe body spray vibes. Nice. Okay. So, so what's cool about Yara is that she's the monarch, she's a ruler, but she's also a fighter. And when she fights, because they're from the Iron Islands, she's doing it on a boat. So it's like uh, a okay. so it's like a pirates pirates, right? So they are ramming boats into each other. They're shooting cannons. They're stealing other people's boats. They're fighting on boats. They're lighting boats on fire. So she does all of that stuff. And then she's also assumes this role of queen or ruler of her people. And she cares a great deal for her family, for their people's traditions. She takes care of her brother. At one point, her uncle kidnaps her, takes her hostage. Okay. So you would say like she's a good ruler. Like she's... Yes. She's beneficial to her people. Yes. Okay. She's not... Yes. Yeah. She's not like a greedy... Maniacal, I'm gonna crush them. Right. Yeah. No. She wants to protect them and honor their traditions, and she is very faithful to that. At one point, of course, because he's Theon, Theon abandons her because he freaks out and he's like, "Uh, I'm gonna die." So he runs away and lets her get kidnapped. But then he, because he's Theon, he comes back and he saves her. That I mean, that's just that's him. All, so like everything he does, all the time, because he's Theon. 
I mean, he messes it up and then he fixes it and he messes it up and then he fixes it. So she's a cool, different example than Arya because she's very, I mean, number one, because she's doing it on a boat and because we are so easy to impress because she is a ruler and a fighter and all the male rulers we get to see in battle. Um, okay. So it's cool to see a female. And she's not sitting at home on the throne. Like getting her hair braided. While right. they're out fighting. I don't think there's very much hair braiding going on in the Iron Islands to begin with. But yeah. And so I think she's very cool. And the other the other thing about Yara is that she has sexual relationships with both men and women. And that is, she has no shame about it. She has no misgivings about it and she is definitely a person who i mean this is about female pleasure this is about her being herself and 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 you don't think this show puts a value judgment on it no and i think the show makes it very very clear that in this patriarchal system it's easier for people to accept a woman being gay, bisexual, lesbian than they than it is for people to accept a man. Okay, good. Because I was going to ask you about this. Okay, ask me. So again, I'm like barely into season two. Okay. And in season one, there is a character introduced and he has like yellowy curly hair and he's a knight. Um, you could be talking about a few people. I think you're talking about Loris Tyrell, the, the knight of flowers. Yes, okay. the knight of flowers. Yes. So he's a dream boat, by the way, (laughs) not to objectify (laughs) anyone, but he is. Okay. So he is in a homosexual relationship. He is. He's in a very healthy. Yeah. So we just say like, it looks consensual and loving, loving, respectful, kind, cute, adorable relationship. Everyone makes fun of them. To much derision. Yes. Yes. And okay. So I'm wondering from your point of view. Is this a judgment the show is making or is this something that like early on happened in season one and the relationship is sort of mocked and the writers in the show have evolved to being more accepting of that kind of a relationship? So I think the writers put that relationship in the show to critique the society itself because so we're not supposed to side with the people who are making fun of that relationship. No, because it is portrayed as a very healthy and loving relationship. Yes. So. A, he's in a relationship with Renly Baratheon, the king's younger brother, who, when the king dies, says he has a right to the throne. Okay. And so he's, that's a, these are prominent characters. And Loras is a very popular and well known knight in King's Landing. So they're two very prominent. I mean, they would be, you know, they would get followed by the paparazzi if the paparazzi existed in this society. So they do get a lot of derision. And I think the show, wants us to see how toxic this culture is, that they have these very rigid expectations for everybody, especially for male characters, and that it is almost unheard of for a man to be both a knight and gay. And so it is a sign of weakness. And so, yes, he is publicly and privately derided constantly for his relationship with Renly. And I think we are supposed to be on Loris' side. I think the show... Well, it treats it very much as like an open secret. It is, yeah. And and there are times when it seems like it's more culturally acceptable for Jamie and Cersei to be in a sexual relationship than it is for Loris and Renly. I mean, both are open secrets and both are subject to a lot of criticism, but... They right. are they do have to be very secretive and they do have 
and the show is very intentional about how healthy their relationship is. And so I think the show wants us to see how messed up their society and their circumstances are. I think it's very similar to the role Tyrion plays in the show because of his physical stature. Well, I mean, they call him an imp in the show. That's definitely not a word that right, we would for use. Sure. He is basically rejected by his whole family. He is, doesn't have the same access to power that his brother and sister do. His father treats him very, very poorly, even though Tyrion is smart, probably smarter than his siblings and very aware of right. how, how things work. He has his own moral failings, right? He goes to the brothel like eight times a day or something, but um, he seems well known there. <laughs> and he has, you know, he drinks a lot. So he's definitely not perfect. But as the show goes on, he, he finds his way and he is able to take power back. He is able to pledge his loyalty to Daenerys he becomes Daenerys's hand. So he gets power that he has to earn, that he has to fight for. And the show is demonstrating to us that, that because of his stature and his physicality, he has way more obstacles than his siblings do. He, he lacks a lot of the privilege that they do. The same for Loras and the same for for all of the female characters the show is very intentionally showing us who has access to power is based on wealth and family and name but also sex and gender and race and those people who are your ability to manipulate others (laughs) that seems to be a common theme yeah, yeah. I mean, Cersei is not going anywhere. So you're. So I'm in that one for the long Cersei, haul. Cersei, um, I'm is, a little over her. Well, she's she's not going anywhere. Okay. So uh, I think Yara's sexuality is portrayed a little differently. I don't think that it's widely accepted, and I think it would be something that her uncle could use against her if he were trying to have a public campaign for who should be the ruler of the Iron Islands. I don't think it's something that is just commonly accepted, but it is very clear that she is accepting of herself and that others have an easier time accepting her than they do Loris and Renly, for sure. This was the only actor in the entire series that I recognized from something else. The only one. Who? Oh, sorry, Tyrion. Oh, yeah. You mentioned him earlier. The only one I recognized. I don't know that I would recognize. I don't know that I've seen. I mean, I've been watching the show for so long now. Yeah, you probably. Yeah. But I think, yeah, he's the only one. Did you recognize him from his role in the Avengers? I don't I don't want to say where I recognize him from because you're going to make fun of me. What? Was he on C-SPAN at some point? <laughs> probably. No. Um, Elf. Oh, yeah. 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 He's, I mean, Peter Dinklage is a very good, cool oh, yeah, actor. Yeah. He has a lot of well, great his, roles. Well, in his accent, you can tell he's an American. Like, you can tell it's kind of a forced accent. Well, yeah. Never forget what you are. The rest of the world will not. Wear it like armor. You can, yeah. can you hear it? Because I can hear it definitely when he's talking. Yeah. There it's are not, certain words you're like, oh, that not, is. It's not the best. No. It's not the best. Yeah, I mean, the Tyrell family is very cool. Loris, the Knight of Flowers. I don't know if you know his grandmother, Lady Elena. I don't think I'm there yet. She's the Queen of Thorns. The Queen of Thorns. She's, That's a good name. Yeah. Um, it's a real good name. Her granddaughter, Marjorie, eventually becomes queen for a brief period of time. But we talked about Lady Elena in the last episode because she's one of the older yes, female I characters. Yes, about her. And she has... 
a great deal. I mean, she comes into more and more prominence in the later series. <laughs> There's actually a great exchange between Cersei and Elena. Cersei calls her because Lady Elena is like very open and frank, honest person. She just kind of tells it like it is. And Cersei calls her the famously tart-tongued Queen of Thorns. And Elena calls her the famous tart. <laughs> That's good. Yeah. Good. Yeah, it's good. So the the last thing I want to say about Yara is, okay. is initially she's really defined in relation to her male relatives. She is so a daughter. She is a, she, a daughter, sister. a sister, and a niece. And she is kind of loving and protecting of her brother, but that storyline is really about Theon. She's very loyal to her dad, Balon Greyjoy, who proclaims himself who proclaims himself king of the Iron Islands. But once Euron says he's the king, she defines herself. So she's no longer daughter, niece, or sister. She is what I would say is like a warrior queen. And she gets her own storylines. And I think that she demonstrates that she's just as good in terms of leadership, in terms of loyalty, in terms of protecting people and fighting for people and not just for her own power. She's not fighting for the Iron Throne. She's not trying to become queen of Westeros. But she is definitely... She has all of the warrior skills that that the men do, and she has all the leadership skills that the best leaders do. And so I don't want her story to kind of get washed out. And she's not just a pawn. Right, because she makes herself something. The show is demonstrating to us that she doesn't have an easy path to power because she's a woman. And I think she does a good job, and the show does a good job of showing she's got extra obstacles and she overcomes them and she's very cool. So I did save the best warrior for last. Yeah, you seem really excited about this one. So you don't know Brienne of Tarth. I do not yet, no. And I will tell you, she is tall. Like Julia Child tall? I think so, maybe. She's so tall that when people first encounter her, they kind of just look at her like, whoa. My word. Please pardon me for interrupting. My name is Brienne of Tarth. We know who you are. We've heard all about you, but... Hearing is one thing. Aren't you just marvelous? Absolutely singular. I hear you knock my grandson into the dirt like the silly little boy he is. Okay, so I just looked it up. She is portrayed by Gwendolyn Christie. Yes. And Gwendolyn Christie is six foot three. So so that is tall. It's not a trick of the camera. Yeah, because that's what I was thinking, maybe. Like they're shooting from an angle or something. Yeah. But no, she is, she's tall. So she is not an official knight, but she does the work of a knight. She wears the armor. She rides the horse. She has the big sword. She's training a squire named Podrick. Okay, so. I told you some men have weird names. (laughs) That's a weird one. So that would mean she's, you said she's not an official knight, but she's like basically a knight. So she has like noble blood, like she's not a commoner. So yes, she is of a noble or well-known family. So Gwendolyn Christie, who plays Brianna Tarth, and I'm just going to call her a knight because that's how she functions. Okay. She 
is the actress herself is very excited to play this role. She says, this is a quote from Gwendolyn Christie, Game of Thrones is a great show for women because it shows female characters with real strength. You don't just see women who are strong and physically powerful, but you see real emotional metal. You get to see women deal with complexity in multidimensional ways, and you get to see real people. I think there hasn't been a flood of characters like that before. It shows a more realistic representation of women, and I think that's essential. I think it's long overdue. So I think what she's, I mean, I don't want to speak for her, but what I'm hearing here is that there are more than there's more than one kind of strong female character in Game of Thrones. Right. We don't have like a token strong lady. We have women who are mentally strong, like Catelyn Stark. We have women who are physically strong, like Arya and Brienne. We have women who are both, like Daenerys and Yara. And that there are that there's a whole host of these strong female characters and they all have different paths and they all came from different places. And some of them are noble and some of them are not. And some of them are rulers and some of them are not. And she says real emotional metal. You get to see them deal with complexity in multidimensional ways. So, again, we're talking about the development and the nuance and the reality so that if you are a woman watching it, you can relate to them. You can be inspired by them. You can feel like they're speaking to you or for you. I think that it's a really important role for her to play. And I think she does it really, really well. It's fun because you don't know who she is. <laughs> but she has, she takes an oath and she swears loyalty to Catelyn Stark. And through the entire show, she is loyal to that oath. There are times because. So I just haven't got to the good person yet. There are more than there's more than one good person, but um, there are times when she is imprisoned and so she can't act on her oath. And there are times when she is kind of in, put in positions where she's not as powerful, but she is loyal to that when she very easily could give up. So I'm going to assume that her statue and her just presence are a big part of her character. Yes. And the other characters comment on it and they like make note of it or is it just kind of accepted? There are a lot of looks and a lot of kind of jokes that are kind hearted. Not a lot of mean spirited jokes about it. Yellow hair, blue eyes, tallest woman you've ever seen. Almost as tall as you. Brienne of Tarth. You know her? Her character background is interesting because she's the only heir to that family. She should have really married someone and carried. Right. And she didn't want to do any of that. She had kind of no interest in any of that. She joined the forces of Renly Baratheon for a while. And so she, I mean, she functions as a knight. She And she swears oaths and she fights to protect people. And so after she swears the oath to Catelyn, she's loyal to that. And then when Catelyn dies, she spends the rest of her time protecting Catelyn's daughters, Arya and Sansa. Okay. Which becomes much easier for her when Arya and Sansa are in the same place. <laughs> I would imagine so. Yeah, yeah. But I think that it's it's important to have her character on the show. Why? Well, number one, because she's like a large person. She's very tall. She's very broad-shouldered. She's very physically strong and powerful. And she is fine with taking up a certain amount of space. And she's not apologizing for it. Right. When you are watching her, 
as a girl, as a woman, not that small girls should necessarily be watching this very... No, they should not. <laughs> ...messed up show. She defies expectations. Expectations of women, expectations of people from noble houses. And she does... I mean, she's kind of like what we're saying with Arya. She does what she believes in and what she cares about and what she's good at and what she enjoys. And she doesn't make apologies for it. All my life, men like you've sneered at me. And all my life, I've been knocking men like you into the dust. There are very few characters who she doesn't physically tower over. And those are characters who are brothers, the Hound and the Mountain. And she fights alongside most of the strongest men on the show. She has this experience with Jamie where they're both prisoners and Jamie keeps her from being sexually assaulted. And so she and Jamie have this weird alliance, even though obviously the Lannisters and the Starks are at odds with each other. And if she had to, Brienne would do anything to protect Arya and Sansa. But she's just a very honorable, interesting person. And she doesn't necessarily get a lot of screen time until the last few seasons. But she trains Podrick. She takes that job very seriously. And she wants literally nothing more than to really officially be a knight. Which is challenging because the Lannisters are in power for most of the time that the show is happening. And so... The only way to become a knight is for the queen or another knight to knight you. So do you think that having the representation of somebody who is physically a different kind of a woman is an important thing to have in a show? Say like not again. all of the women should be these dainty little creatures. Yeah, yeah. The, I think we just need we need that variety, right? Because there is more than one way to be a woman. And she encounters a great number of obstacles that other people don't. And she overcomes them in kind of really interesting, creative ways. And she, you expect maybe, even though you see her, how physically strong she is, how good of a fighter she is, you still might expect when she's fighting for her to be more merciful or for her to not be as, I don't know, bloodthirsty, right? To, for her to be like a gentler, kinder fighter, right? And she's not. It's not that she doesn't have remorse or she doesn't have a moral compass, but she is fighting just as tough as everybody else is. And if that means she has to kill somebody to do what the right thing, then she will. So is Brienne one of your favorite characters here? Yeah, there's a scene where she goes, gets thrown in. <laughs> I wish y'all could see it. Like her just like jumped up out of her seat and like lit up. There, so there's a scene where she like gets put into a pit with a bear. As one does. And like... She fights her way out. Okay. She's just very cool. Okay. And it's like you always, you know that she's going to do the right thing. So I think she is one of my favorite characters. She She's definitely very marginalized because of her body and because of her gender and because of her rejection of gender roles. And she kind of doesn't care about becoming beautiful. I mean, she has very short hair, which as you can imagine in their society is very unusual for a woman. But she just is both kind and ruthless. And I think that that's an important combination for people to see on screen. For her to say, I'm not a lady, but for it to be important to her to be a knight. Right. There's like this, there's this dude who's obsessed with her in a very cute 
like adorable way. He has a crush on her, I guess. And his name is Tormund, Giant's Bane. And he calls her the tall woman. But he's always like, is the tall woman going to be there? <laughs> and it's very cute. And it's and and you can tell that she is like <sighs> But I, I mean, if I, I think they're probably gonna, I don't know. I hope they kiss or something. <laughs> I'm, I'm always just like wanting. I'm always just like that person, that person. They should kiss. So yeah, it's she. I, I, not that she needs a romance story to be fulfilled as a character. I definitely this is just personal don't fulfillment think that. That's for just you. me. I just think the two of them are real cute together. And she's, I mean, they're both very stubborn and they're both very fierce. I, I believe that is called shipping. Yeah, I definitely ship them. I can't believe you know what that is, but I definitely, definitely, her and Tormund, I definitely ship them. I had to look them. it up. Yeah, so <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what will happen. I, I just used an internet word. I think this show definitely is heralding her as one of our kind of moral heroes in the show. I think I think we're always supposed to love and honor Ned and keep him in our hearts, but um, there are a lot of female characters who, in the end, we're going to see that they are... It's it's hard to tell until you see the very end of something. There, I think there are going to end up being more women who we are meant to regard as kind of the moral heroes of this show overall. We're recording in finals week. Yeah. And this will not conclude for another two weeks or so. Yeah. So I'm going to ask you. Okay. Having been caught up. Yeah. To give me your predictions. This is like sealing the envelope. And we're going to see how <laughs> close you are. So if you don't want to hear how it ends or Allegra's prediction for how it ends, just skip forward a couple minutes. So for a long time, I wanted John and Daenerys to end up together. Okay. I shipped them, I guess. <laughs> and I wanted them to rule together. But I've recently found out that she's his aunt. Oh. So. That's interesting. I'm not really all about that life. <laughs> um, and I'm open to more unconventional answers. Okay. Like the most conventional answer would be Daenerys or John, because they are the true heirs to the throne. Okay. However, they can't get married, in my personal opinion. Okay. Because it's an aunt. So either or, not both. I think one of them would be the most traditional okay. answers. But I also think something a little less conventional is possible. I think, you know, Arya could end up on the throne. But you think someone will end up on the throne? I think the throne, I th yes, I do. And I think... So we're not going to usher in an era of representative democracy? No, that's... No, no. We're, we have a feudal feudal society okay if if we we're gonna overthrow feudalism and monarchy we couldn't wait until the last i think we have three episodes left so george washington's not writing in no, at the last minute we don't have time for that <laughs> um so I, I, I you know what i'm gonna say it i'm just gonna say it okay. i think it's gonna be gendry on the throne and i think Arya's gonna be with him i think she's gonna end up the freaking queen even though that's not what she wanted or at least where I'm at. That's not well. What she she doesn't. She doesn't want to be the Sansa Cersei style of queen. She can be her own. She can be a Yara style queen. You know what I mean? Okay. She doesn't have to wear the dress and get her hair braided. And there hopefully won't be any more battles. But she can still wear, you know, her battle outfits, and she can still have a sword, and she can be a different type of queen. That I think would be the coolest. Plus, the two of them have like the best relationship of all the relationships. 
except for Brienne <laughs> and the wildling. So, if you're right, <laughs> what do I get? What if I get? What do I get if I'm right? Oh, you want a prize? Yes, I always Ooh. want a prize. <laughs> I'll make you a dragon. Okay, she's gonna make me a dragon. If you're right, okay. So, if you're not right, you get nothing. <laughs> so let's just say this before before we go too far into fun times. Okay. I think these women that we talked about today, Arya, Yara, Brienne, I think that they... Can I just say I liked this conversation so much better... Than the queens? Than the queens. <laughs> well, I think what's interesting is that they are... They seem like more developed, more... And I, I know everyone's tired of hearing me say this word, but more nuanced characters than the queens. The queens felt a little one note to me. Well, I think Daenerys is, uh, is developed and nuanced. And I think the more you watch, the more you will understand Sansa you may not like her my husband still um is not over her what she's done in the past but um I'm a little over her right now (laughs) I think that these women that we talked about today they are like they embody this kind of very typical male hero right the traits that we would associate with a typical male hero and I think that with a few exceptions like John uh, I think they do it better than most of the men on the show. And so I think that that is intentional. I think that the writers want us to see Westeros is sexist. I think that the writers want us to see and take note of these women being mocked or assaulted or insulted. That they're powerless. That they are meant to be powerless, but that they refuse to be powerless. And that they shouldn't have to fight as hard as they do for power but also that we can admire and respect them because they do fight that hard. I don't want to to say, like, we should overcome no matter what because I don't want to say that the circumstances they're in are justifiable because they're not. I think it's very, I mean, I think the men are learning from these women, right? I think that when Jamie looks at Brienne, he realizes how privileged he truly is. I don't know that he would put it in those words. I don't know that he would admit it out loud. But they both have the same kind of goals. They're both knights. They both want to honor oaths. They both want to fight. They both want to ride horses. They both want to have swords. They like, both want to ride horses. I don't. That's, these are just things they both do. They're both blonde. right? And I think when he looks at her and he sees she's kind of doing a better job. And she kind of has well, to go through a lot of BS that I don't. Well, it sounds from what you've said, like her motivations are fairly pure. Yeah. Whereas, again, from what little I know of him so far. He 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 does some, I mean, he, he killed the Mad King, uh, I think for the right reasons. But I think he does kind of get the power corrupts him. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. And he's comes from a very, very powerful, privileged family. The Lannisters are, you know super rich they they were super rich before they were married to the king you know so i think that when he sees her like he sees that he's had it a little bit easier than she has and i think that a lot of the relationships between fathers and sons in the show give us a kind of understanding of the toxic patriarchy and that's not really what we're talking about so i don't want to get too far into that but characters like Tyrion. And John's best friend, Sam, and, and Jorah, even, like, they get rejected by their fathers. And yeah, there's a lot of concern about who the heir is. Right. 
I think that... And, like, there can only be one. Exactly. And if you don't conform in these ways, then you are rejected, right? Sam is rejected because he's kind of bookish and he's doesn't physically match the standard of what the Tarleys are supposed to be. Uh, Tyrion, of course, because of his physical, na- you know, his physical features. You know, obviously, if you're a bastard, you can't be the heir to anything, even though that's just the result of your father's mis, you know. So all of those kinds of things show us and are meant to show us the kind of toxic society that all these characters are living in. But I think at the same time, the show is absolutely valuing women and showing us the different kinds of ways that you can be a woman, the humble, quiet ways, the brash, loud, violent ways as a ruler, as a queen, as a sister, a lot of people to look at and examine and a lot of different access points to understand that. Do you feel like this show is one of those like big cultural things? Yes, you do. I think there's no getting around it. Too many people watch it for it not to be like it just has they have to know that they're responsible for delivering a narrative to this many people. And even the people who don't watch it have to listen to people talk about it. (laughs) I'm pretty sure that's why you watched it. But like Arya and Sansa, they're so different. But both of them are validated by themselves. They don't need external validation. They're validated by the show. And they're validated in the end by each other. And so the show is saying it's okay to be this way or that way. And they couldn't be more different. We get to see queens, but we get to see women succeed and excel in all kinds of different ways, too. It's not just this one path to success, this one way of being successful. And I just think it's very important to show that there are challenges that are unique to being a woman or that are exacerbated by being a woman. And the show is very honest about that. We should admire these characters, but we should also stop to examine why they shouldn't have had to go through those things in the first place. But I think in the end, they're all going to get rewarded, except Cersei. I hope her hair catches on fire. (laughs) (laughs) If that happens... You get it, two dragons. Two dragons. Okay, two dragons. Man, that would be amazing if her hair caught on fire. Because that's a very spadific. Spadific. Yeah, it's spadific. Yeah. Specific. So what's next in your lady life? Uh, You know, nothing. Yeah, we are actually taking a week off school because we are faculty. It's out. And... We enjoy time off. Well, not really. I mean, I'm still going to be doing something. Right, because we can't help that. But that's yeah. what it means to be a faculty member. But I member. won't be here. Uh, I won't be working. So we're taking one week off. One. And then we will be back for our summer sessions. Yeah, because we teach in the summer anyway. Yeah, so, so we might here. as well do this. Might as well. Um, so better than other committee work we could be doing. Hey, you know what? I want you to make a prediction. Based oh, on really? your just one and a half seasons <laughs> of Game very, of Thrones. My very limited knowledge here. Yeah, you make a uh, prediction. About how it's going to end? Yeah. Hmm. Let's see. I hope you say the name of someone who's dead. <laughs> then I can just laugh at you. But no, wouldn't it be crazy if you got it right? Oh, then I need three dragons. Three dragons. Okay. Are the dragons still alive? I'm not. That's a very that's I, I'm not I'm not being funny. This is a complicated answer. Oh my god! Never mind. 
Okay, so I am going to say that Sansa and is, is Theon alive? Mm-hmm. And Theon on the throne. Okay, fascinating. Well, that will not be what happened. <laughs> I, I, it is. Uh, I get three dragons. I don't. You'll get something, man. Because <laughs> that was a guess out of nowhere. We'll see. Thank you for listening to this episode of Profess Hers, our podcast about seeing movies, culture, and history through our lady eyes. I'm Misty, and if I have to pick, I'd be in the House of Starks. It's just House Stark. What? You're lucky I didn't say Gryffindor. (laughs) And I'm Allegra. I'm definitely House Mormont. We'd love to hear from you what you thought about today's episode, what you'd like us to discuss in future episodes, or how great you think we are. Which is extremely great. To connect with us, you can follow us on Twitter at ProfessHers, P-R-O-F-E-S-S-H-E-R-S, or by email at ProfessHers at gmail.com. We're also on Facebook and Instagram. Thank you to everyone who has been listening, commenting, liking, and reviewing our podcast. Please keep doing all those things, and we hope you recommend our podcast to a friend or to your queen. And remember, stick him with the pointy end. <laughs>